0: Hello and welcome to the CAPE Podcast, CAPE standing for the Child Abuse Prevention and Education Podcast. My name is Christy McVie and I am an ex-West Australian police officer who spent 10 years with the police where I was trained as a specialist child interviewer and a child abuse detective. This podcast is all about sharing what I learned, saw and knew whilst investigating child sexual abuse in the police force. It is also about sharing the knowledge that I gained in that time that helped me with my own parenting of my then two-year-old daughter. My mission is to help share my knowledge and to help you in your role as parents to keep your kids safe along with guest experts in the field of child abuse prevention and education, both in person and online. Thank you so much for joining in on the fight to prevent child sexual abuse. Your kids will thank you for it. Welcome back to the Operation Cape podcast, uh, the Child Abuse Prevention and Education podcast. So today I am speaking with a good friend called Mike Dyson, or Mikey D, as I like to call him. Uh, Mikey <laughs> D, Mikey D, and I met, funnily enough, on a fundraising walk or trek, if you want to call it, uh, for five days with a wonderful not-for-profit called Zero to Hero, where I walked. 135 kilometres from Cape to Cape, which is down near where I live. So from where did we start? We started in Augusta and we ended in Dunsborough. Yelling up. Cape naturalist to Cape from Cape.
1: I can't even
0: remember. Uh, You've done it so many times. You remember where it is. Cape (laughs) Lewin to Cape Naturalist. It actually isn't that far away from me and I still can't remember. But otherwise, so that's how we met. And then since then we've become friends and have also mentored on um, Zero to Hero Camp Hero and kept in touch. And Mikey D is an inspiration to me. He is a wonderful human and I'm so thankful for him for being on my podcast today. So thank you, Mikey D.
1: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a good chat.
0: I know, and um, what we're going to talk about today is how to have good conversations with young people. But, Mikey, you're you've got a really amazing history in this space. Um, you know, you didn't start out having these conversations with young people. You started out where? So let's explain how you how you went from where you started to now.
1: Yeah. So, um, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> My backstory, I I worked as a a complementary medicine practitioner, as a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner for 15 years. So I spent a long time having conversations with people about, you know, fertility, about mental health, about cancer, about, you know, chronic pain, about all these kind of uh, serious things. And over over the course of 15 years in in practice, I found myself getting increasingly frustrated about people not being proactive about their well-being about their mental health, but about their physical health as well. And, you know, not having these proactive conversations. And then um I found myself on a uh, hospital bed in the emergency department thinking I was having a heart attack. Whoa. Dr. Leans, she says, nothing wrong with your heart, Mr. Dyson, Uh you've got anxiety. And, and I was, I was shocked. I was really smacked in the face by that because I'd been exercising regularly, meditating regularly, eating healthy foods, doing all the right things. Um, and it was a big realisation that I'd gotten something a little bit wrong. Maybe I was one of those people who wasn't being proactive and preventative. Um, and one of my uh, clients suggested that I should I should join his local men's group. And I, so I just sat down in a, in a backyard in, in Palmyra around a, around a fire and just started having yarns about stuff that was going on in, in men's lives. And it was a fascinating experience because I, I started to realise how many stories are going on in, in people's lives that they're not just talking about, particularly men. Um, And it was a place where I could talk about my struggles, talk about my difficulties, talk about what I was hoping for, my hopes and dreams and, and ambitions um, in a really different way. But the big thing that was that was life changing for me through sitting with that group over a period of time uh, was the level of accountability. That was a, that was a group where I could show up and, and people would say, oh, hey, Mikey, you said you're going to meditate every day last week. How did you go with it? Mm. Um, and not in an accusatory way or a nasty way, but like a really supportive form of accountability. Um, and that, that changed my life. That helped me to step into a more embodied sense of well-being with, a, with a, just a stronger sense of connection in my life. I built some really strong relationships and those skills, you know, spread into other other relationships in my life. So I started working with, with groups of men, with groups of boys I got pulled into working with schools. Um, mostly what I do now is I have a program called better conversations with young people, which teaches teachers how to have better conversations with young people about resilience, respect, consent, um, all of the good stuff, uh, and a, and a better conversations at work program, which is teaching leaders the skills to create, you know, healthier cultures in the workplace, um, but yeah, when you look at it from having a better conversation perspective, I've been having those deeper conversations since I started practicing in 2004 or whatever it was. Hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, there's there's a real framework that I've developed for, you know, for starting those conversations and and creating the kind of relationship where conversations around online safety, around well-being, around consent, around respect, around boundaries, around my body, around my well-being can become normalised because I think there's a lot of people out there who want to have better conversations around that stuff, but those conversations still feel awkward and, and difficult and and not normal for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah,
0: yeah, so true. I know, I know personally, like I don't have trouble talking about these things with my family, with people mm-hmm. around me. I, you know, you have to have a little bit. There's a little bit of bravery involved with having those conversations, yep. uh, but it's like any type of muscle. The more you use it, the better you get at it. Um, but I know that I do agree with you. Everyone is screaming out for better conversations, screaming out for more meaningful conversation. So what is this framework that you're talking about? How do you have better conversations with young people?
1: Yeah, and just to go back to your point, like we're screaming out for those conversations, like how many parents out there want to have better conversations with their young people about online safety about bullying about their well-being about relationships about sex you know the number of parents that want to have that conversation versus versus the number of parents who feel comfortable and are having those conversations on a regular basis there's there's a big gap there and i think you know i've got a kind of a standard framework of four dot points but before i get into that i'll just say let's drop the idea that young people don't want to talk about this stuff young people actually do they they want the information they want to be safe they want to have they want to be able to engage with stuff online they want to have great personal relationships you know teenagers want to have great intimate relationships and, yeah. um great relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend or or whatever and as they grow they want to have great intimate relationships um and they need you know more guidance than they than they're getting from from uh you know in the current environment they need more guidance than they they they're getting and a lot of that sadly a lot of the guidance they're getting is online from from unhealthy sources so firstly drop the idea that young people don't want to talk about important stuff that they do we just have to do the work ourselves as the adults in their lives yeah. to drop our own awkwardness and to or, or to lean into that awkwardness and to lean into that um discomfort because that's what creates the um the safety for it yeah
0: there's nothing wrong with like saying oh you know. This is really awkward for me because my parents never talked to me about this stuff or, you know, actually, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. But, you know, let's look into it together sort of thing. There's no there's no issue with having those, you know, being real with your kids or with anyone and saying that.
1: Yeah, I'd say even even more than there being no issue with it. I think it's actually a really good way in to say I've got to, I want to talk to, to something uh, uh, talk with you about something really important and I'm not really sure how to do it and I feel like it might be tough for me um but I really want us to have this conversation. Yeah I reckon you'll find immediately young people's ears will start to start to prick up. And and you know the other thing I'd say is you know talk soon talk talk early talk talk often and you know yeah. earlier and the younger you can start with your kids with this stuff the better but also it's never too late you know there's conversations i wish i had had with my kids earlier um and then i've sort of dropped them a bit later in their in their development and and i still think it's gone pretty well so i've got four tips i've got four um four guidelines for you
0: go for it Uh,
1: number one is carve out the time and space And so, if you want to have an important conversation, whether it's about you know child protection, online safety, you know well-being, mental health, uh, relationships, boyfriends and girlfriends, respect and consent, whatever it is, it's it's really difficult to have those conversations in a lot of different places. We've got to acknowledge that the reason these conversations aren't happening because most of the time it doesn't feel normal. If we're going to create a bit of a different space for a bit of a different conversation. You've got to have a think what is going to work for, for my kid or for my partner or for whoever else I'm gonna I'm gonna um have this conversation with. So, you know, long drives can sometimes be really good. Having a carving out one-on-one time is really powerful as well. Rather than trying to have the conversation with three kids and your partner around the dinner table, yeah, you know, take your eldest. You know, out for a burger and and sit down next to them and have a chat, or take the dog for a walk and have a chat, or yeah. go and kick the footy, or shoot some hoops, or take the take the netball down to the local court and you know use that as a bit of an icebreaker. So, yeah, how can you carve out the 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 time and space? I think is is number one, and you know the obvious thing with that is like let's put our phones away. Yes, <laughs> I think it's I think as parents. As a pet, I'll just talk them off from my own experience. Um, as a parent, sometimes I'll say, put your phone away. I've yeah. got something important to say. Whereas <laughs> it's very different for me to say, let's put our phones away. I want yeah. us to have a conversation. Yes. So, you know, put your, close the computer, turn the, <laughs> turn the email <laughs> machine off. Um, put put all of our phones away, turn the TV off and the Xbox and all the, all of the things yeah and, and even just as simple as saying um, is this a, have you got a minute I want to chat about something important? Yeah and if they say no, it's like cool well when when's a good time? And when can we carve out the, that sort of time? And, and you know, sometimes it's as simple as saying, I've got something important to say. And that might be a way of carving out the time and space. That might be a way of saying, oh, I know when mum says she's got something important or when dad says he's got something serious he wants to talk about, I know that we're kind of fl- flicking a switch and going into a different conversation. So just, you know, take a breath sometimes is a useful thing. Um, how can we carve out the time and space? For I'm a, sure for-
0: also... Um, just to side note that probably don't have those conversations when you're really wound up about something or like, I mean, I I have been, I I will admit, put my hand up. I have done that where I'm like, right, there's something important to say, but right now I'm angry and I'm going to talk about it because I'm ready to talk about it. Like, I guess if you've got something really important to say, and it is important, like consent, sex, whatever, like, you know, respect, healthy relationships, you know, um, all of the topics that are really important, you want to come from a a place of calm, uh, you know, so that we can all listen and hear what has to be said. And when you come from a place of like, right, you know, you've been on that phone too much. And like, let's talk and you know, like, that's gonna obviously get your child or your partner or whoever you want to talk about talk to wound up. So, you know, I am, I'm one of those people that seems to want to have really important conversations after I've riled everyone up. So yeah, don't do what I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll often say create space for yourself before you try and create space for someone else, which is yeah. exactly what you just said. Like for me, it's, I just take three slow breaths and I'm like, right, I want to have a conversation. Have you, have you got a minute? Um, and I find myself doing that as a, as a force of habit. Now I'll ring yeah. someone on the phone and go, Hey, have you got 5 minutes? Have you got 10 minutes? Have you got 12 and a half minutes? Really, <laughs> this is this is what I want. This is the kind of conversation. So that's that's step 1. How do we how do we carve out the time and space on a on a regular basis? Um and like I said earlier the 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 younger you can start with if you're talking about talking with young people yeah. you know if, if you're a young person, if your child, um, son or daughter or whatever knows that, oh, when, when mum says to me, come and, uh, you know, come and take the dog for walk with me, I've got something important to say, then they know what that's all about. They're starting mm. to get, oh, this is a normal thing. Mum and I have a proper chat sometimes and we have a, a way that we do it where I feel safe to, to have that conversation. Well, that her. would
0: have a flow and effect in adulthood, right? Because, and I've seen this with my own family and my own relationships. You know, because I've had those conversations throughout their her childhood, throughout my marriage, everything, um, you know, pe- we don't feel scared to talk. We don't feel scared yep. to bring the, tough subjects up. We, you know, tough things, yes, okay, we might be a bit nervous about talking something about something hard, but we've all got, we've all created and cultivated this relationship where we do talk about this tough stuff. And um, you know, my daughter yeah. will ask, "Hey, can I have a chat? Can I talk to you about something?" Or my husband will go, "Hey, we need to go for a walk, can we have a talk?" Or I'll say it. you know, usually it's me because I'm the I'm the person who works in this space, but you know they they do it too. And that's how beautiful is that. That's gonna, you know, if you think about your child in from development, from from baby, going through childhood, going through young peoplehood, that's a new word I'm going to make and then get becoming an adult, <laughs> then becoming an adult in their own relationships. If they have, if they, if it's normalized for them to speak up and talk and to have those conversations and you've created that, then they're going to do it in their own relationships.
1: Yeah. It's about what what you're talking about there is, you know, carving out time and space by creating a relationship where, where this is something that we do. And, you know, Honest conversations about online safety, honest conversations about online habits, honest conversations about um, consent, relationship, sex, about financial well-being, about our physical health. Our our kids just need so many of these conversations with us. So the earlier we start, you know, building that relationship where deeper conversations are normalized, just everyone wins from that. So step one, carve out the time and space. Step two, lead with honesty. And it's, if, if we want to hear from young people what, what's going on for them, what websites are they going to, you know, what kind of things are happening with their with their friends, who's got boyfriends and girlfriends at school, what's happening in the toilets at school, who's vaping, who isn't vaping, we're asking them for real honesty. Mm-hmm. And we can't expect other people to be really honest and, unless we lead with a certain degree of honesty ourselves. And yeah. so when I said before, sometimes carving out the time and space can be like, hey, I've got something important I want to talk about. That's leading with honesty. That's saying, "Hey, this is really important to me." I read this article in the news the other day. I went and saw this inspiring speaker, Christy McVee, from <laughs> uh, talk at the, at the at the local school, and it really stirred me up. And I really want to talk to you about it. Yeah. And your your child or your partner will go, oh, this is really important to her. This is really important to him. Um, I'm going to sit down and listen. You will notice the difference when you lead with a certain degree with honesty. Mm. Um, people, people respond with a certain level of readiness. Um, I often talk about how to have deeper conversations around the "Are you okay?" kind of topic. Yeah. And so, if you're worried about someone's well-being, sometimes saying, "Hey, I've noticed this and this, and I, I was a little bit concerned about it," mm. uh, actually leading with "Oh." I'm worried about this. Or if there's someone in your workplace that you wanna have an are you okay conversation with, you could lead by saying, hey, have you got a minute to talk? Yeah, cool, because are you okay day is super important to me. I really wanna check in with everyone today, as many people as a candidate, to see how you're actually really going because I really believe in this cause. How are you? So before you ask the question, lead with a bit of honesty, lead with a bit of vulnerability. Um, and a big one here is talking about um, I statements. Um, rather than philosophizing and lecturing, rather than saying, have you got a moment? Yes. We need to talk about this because <laughs> this is really important for you to understand. That's yeah. quite different to, have you got a minute? Yeah. I really want us to import to, to have a conversation about this because it's really important to me and I want you to understand where I'm at with it or whatever. So yeah. With honesty and and leading from the eye. That's uh, that's point two for me.
0: Yeah, I, I've had conversations and, you know, i worked in the police and everyone knows that who listens to this podcast, um, but I would have conversations with other police officers where I had noticed changes in behaviour, stuff wasn't mm. right with them. You know, like I was in a high intense job for 10 years and, yeah. you know, I would notice things and I would, like you just said, hey, have you got a minute? Or we'd be in the car together driving to a job or just driving around and I'd say, hey, you know, I've noticed this, this and this. Is everything okay? And you wouldn't believe the amount of people who would like almost their shoulders would relax because someone noticed that they weren't doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or the fact that I would lead with that, hey, you know, tell me if you don't want to talk about it. It's fine if you don't want to, but I have noticed this, this, and this, and I'm just checking in. And yeah. that, you know, the fact that someone, and same with your teens or your young people, if you were to lead with, hey, I noticed you're a bit stressed right now and, um, you know, you're, you're, you're upset when you get off your phone, um, you know, is everything going okay? Like, yeah. how's, you know, lead with something that's going to give them that you have noticed the, the behaviour. Because if we go, like you said, Hey, I've noticed that you're always on your phone. Um, you know, that, that change in tone. Well, yeah. And you know, as my team would say, I've noticed you're always on your phone. So, you know, yeah. leave me yeah. alone.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, leading leading with a level of, you know, you've care. Like you've noticed is saying, I care. I yeah. I I've noticed what's happening. So carve out the time and space and you you said something interesting there like it's got to be okay for them not to talk if you're saying hey is it okay for you to talk you've you've got to genuinely be saying if now is not an okay time then then we'll find another time to do it so carve out the time and space lead with honesty number 2 is is listen with a real sense of genuine curiosity like zip the lips uh, th- notice the obstacles that come up the need to fix to to rescue to to lecture to tell them all the answers particularly I feel like, I feel like
0: you're pointing at me right now because I get in <laughs> trouble for rescuing and and helping people all the time yeah I know it's really hard as a parent
1: oh, it's so hard as a parent and you know you're sitting in a group of parents who who here wants to has a tendency to want to fix problems for their kids and want to rescue them like 80%, 90% of the hands go up. We, we, we all feel protective over our kids, particularly on topics like the kind of topics we're talking about today. Um, but I think sometimes our, our giving advice and giving them the solutions actually shuts down us being able to hear their experience. Um, so for young people or for any people to feel safe and encouraged to, to share, sometimes we just got to just zip it, leave a bit of empty space, get comfortable with a bit of awkward silence um, not give our solutions, not give our advice, and give them a, a chance to sort of come up with their own their own solutions. Watch our tendency to to judge, um, and and just listen with a real genuine sense of curiosity. When I notice myself wanting to go, oh well, that's not okay, and have you thought about it like this? <laughs> um, maybe I can switch and go. Oh, do you think that's okay? Um, have you? Why, why do you think about it like that? And when we, you know, when we can lean into um, asking more and more uh, questions from a sense of real genuine curiosity, because mm. I can I can say, well, do you really think that's okay? Versus, oh, do you think that's okay? those are two quite different questions um and and when young people sense our genuine curiosity to want to understand where they're at mm. that's when they really start to to open up and they might not do this the first time you sit down with them for a chat you might carve out some time and space leave with honesty zip your lips and get nothing but if yeah. you do it every wednesday on the way home from soccer training you know week <laughs> seven week eight of the season if you've led with real genuine honesty, your kid might start to think, oh, when when dad picks me up from soccer, he, he keeps telling me how, how tough his day was. Maybe I can actually share what went on with me and my me and my friends at school. And so yeah, zipping the lips, noticing those obstacles to listening, which is you're your rescuing, you're your fixing, you're advising, you're minimizing, you're, oh, it'll be okay type of thing. It's like, well, if they're upset about it, maybe it won't be okay. And maybe we need to get better at it not being okay. Um, notice those obstacles to listen, and and get comfortable with awkward silence, and get good at asking questions from a from a real place of genuine curiosity, which is a it's a tough one to learn, a skill to practice.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's really hard. Like from my perspective, as you know, I have done both sides of the story, like uh, both sides of the coin, like that. Oh, you know, it's going to be okay, and you know, oh, you know, are you, did you really do it like that? And I've done it from the other <laughs> side where I've gone. You know that sounds real shit. Like that sounds yeah. really tough. And yeah. and you get much more a better outcome when you when you come from the other side where you you know. And because I guess if, if someone came to me and um, asked me if I was okay or if you know if I wanted to talk and then I said something and then they said, "Oh, you know what? You'll be okay." Like it's yeah. going to be all fine. I'd be like, I'm never talking to them again. They are bad listeners. <laughs>
1: And that that genuinely comes from a place of I want them to be okay, and I I yeah. trust in them, and I know that it will be okay. Oh, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. And they're like, hang on a sec, mum. I just told you it's yeah. not okay. Why are you telling me that it's that it's okay? Um. So you know this this really yeah. comes from we've we create space for someone else by our own emotional labor. We've got to do the work to be able to sit with the discomfort of like, wow, it's not really okay for this person right now. Whether it's my daughter oh. or my son husband or my wife or whatever um or even or
0: even your friends even your friends because i mean i've had conversations with friends where like my my own issues been minimized or or maybe i've minimized theirs and and it doesn't feel okay when someone does that so we do need to allow people to feel how they feel um even if it makes us feel uncomfortable like you said
1: yep yeah and there's plenty of practices out there to to practice plenty of opportunities to practice listening with genuine curiosity there's a depending on when this podcast is released there's a referendum happening in australia and people have strong opinions how about trying to just listen to someone else with a genuine sense of curiosity to try and understand their perspective without trying to change their mind there there is whichever way you're voting just try and find out really genuinely why that, that person is voting the way that they're voting or voted the way they voted as just yeah. as an opportunity to practice some curiosity, I bet you what will happen is that you will strengthen your connection with that person and understand them on a deeper level.
0: Mm, good, good point. Yeah.
1: There's a bit of homework for everyone. <laughs> so what have I given you? Three steps, carve out the time and space, lead with a real sense of honesty, listen with, with genuine curiosity and number four is encourage support and follow up. Um, and so You know, coming from the are you okay angle as well, like our job is not to fix anyone. Our our job as parents is not to have all of the answer when it comes to child safety, when it comes to respecting consent, when it comes to mental health and and well-being. We we can't have all the answers. I'm not a a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a social worker and a a counsellor and a financial advisor and a parenting expert. I, I can't be all of those things rolled into one. And when we acknowledge that we don't have all the answers, we can encourage, uh, you know, whoever we're talking to on whatever topic, we can encourage people to find the support, the information that we need. So if we're having a conversation about safety stuff, like, cool, I actually don't know the answer to that. Where do you reckon we can find out? Mm. Um, so, you know, step four is encourage action and follow it up. Encourage yeah. encourage people to get the support they need, people to find the information they need, Um uh, and make sure we don't leave those conversations hanging. If, we, if we're if we ready to have a deep, proper conversation around an incident that might have happened at school or whatever, make sure we check in on an ongoing basis. Or if you're checking in with a colleague about a joke they dropped in the lunchroom that wasn't funny, you, know, yeah. you might encourage them to learn more about it or encourage them to apologise to someone. And yeah. then check in with them. Because checking in with a work colleague three days down the track actually takes the pressure off. Because if we've had a deep conversation about some inappropriate comment I made in the lunchroom and then we just leave that conversation hanging, it can get awkward. Whereas if someone comes back to me, go, Hey, how did you go with that conversation you had with Julie? I can go, yeah, I actually sent her an email and she received it really well. It wasn't perfect. I felt really awkward about it, but I'm, I'm glad I sent her the email to clarify what I meant by what I, yeah. what I thought was funny at the time, you know? So encourage support and follow it up afterwards. So if we're talking about something mm. that they're struggling with, encourage them to get the support they need if we're we're having a deeper conversation about trying to understand something like you know child safety um encourage like where can we find out this information together let's be on the same team
0: yeah and I think also um one of the tools that I've used um is to like okay I I don't personally know the answer to this but hey how about we go and find out the answer or how about I help you look it up or you know I'll go and find out, and I'll come back to you. Or if, say, for instance, as a parent, I let let something go, or I didn't handle it, handle it well, I might come back the next day, or you know, when I, when I was calmer, and said, "Hey, I didn't handle that very well yesterday. Like you told me something really difficult, and I just I I didn't listen. I'm really sorry yeah. about that." You know, yeah. like and hey you know do you want to talk about it better now because i'm i'm here i'm going to listen to you right now and um you know that's worked really well with my own team with my own husband you know when i haven't handled things the best um because again we gotta remember we're humans
1: yeah you're (laughs) leading with a level of honesty and humanizing yourself and i think as as kids we tend to assume that our parents just these kind of supreme beings who get everything right all the time and if they didn't listen it's because they hate us and they don't care about us and all of that kind of stuff and I think one of the most powerful things we can do as as parents is to say hey I feel like I really stuffed that up yesterday I'm really sorry that I responded in that way um can you give me another chance because I'd really love to hear more about that thing that we were talking about or, or what it is it's not about um, how many mistakes you make as a as a parent. It's about, you know, how how you bounce back and how you sort of try to try to make amends and and, and seek forgiveness from your kids for not getting things right. I think it's a powerful thing to do.
0: I mean, they can be the most um <laughs> they can be really judgy little people sometimes, but um, you know, like they do love us and they will forgive us. I mean, look at I tend to reflect on my own relationships with my parents and and adults that were in my life. Um, and I forgave them for all of the things that they did. And so your kids will forgive you if you stuff it up. Um, I think they'll, they'll come out of the experience with a lot less trauma and a lot less issues if you make that, you know, try and make amends as soon as you realise that, you you know, you did that. So um, I think that's the, that's, I've come to the realisation that there's no perfect parents, there's just, you know, just doing your best.
1: Yeah. And if you want, if you want to lean into honest conversations with your kids on on awkward and difficult topics, like you, you're going to get it wrong. You, you're going to react to stuff. You're you're a human being. They're going to say stuff and you're going to go, that's not appropriate. That's okay. Or I can't believe she said that to you. Or, or you're going to respond not in a way that's not perfect. And I think you've got to be willing to stuff it up. You've got to be willing to make mistakes and you've got to be willing to to humanize yourself and to keep bouncing back and to keep Keep leaning in, and every time you do that, I I find it strengthens the ability, like you said, to build that relationship where where proper conversations feel like a a normal thing. And you know, I think it's worth acknowledging in the in the broader context, they're not the fourteen year olds aren't going to school and having chats with their mates about, oh, how you been? Like, yeah, had this epic conversation with dad about porn yesterday. You know, that's not happening at, at school. They're not they're not watching Netflix shows called. Great chats with mum. That's not a show show and no one would watch it. Um, We've got to really work our way through the fact that in our our world, these conversations with adults don't feel normal. And I think they need, young people need more conversations than just with mum and dad. Like this whole idea of the nuclear family, it's a pretty small unit. Um, You know, uncles, aunties, sports coaches, taekwondo instructors, you know, Whatever, whatever roles we find ourselves in as as adults, if we've got young, um, you know, apprentices in our, in our workplaces, these are chances to be a, a stand up adult in your community and lead some honest conversations with young people uh, who who desperately need uh, better places to talk about all of the things.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I call them like um, Maggie Dent calls them lighthouses, I think, and um, yeah. you know, people. Pay- Whatever you are to a young person, whether it, you know, I've I've had conversations with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people, you know, yeah. from th- three into eighteen, you know, and um, one of the things that I have always maintained is that honesty, that vulnerability, that 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 listening, all of those things that you just pointed out, I have done with young people, and what that does is it does form, and I I'm not their parent, so you know I. I I'm not there safe, but being a safe person and being that lighthouse and being that one person, you know, if you're a coach, if you're a, a, a caregiver or a teacher or something, you know, because, right. you know, in my experience as a young person, I didn't have those safe people to talk to in my own home. And yeah. so I had, but I had them in my school. I had really amazing teachers and some of them listened to me. Some of them gave me, you know, and i I've, I really remember them with fondness. They were the they were that lighthouse that I needed to get me through some rough patches. So you could be that to someone else who's not even your own child. So these these skills
1: work. Yeah, or 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 an you know piano teacher or whatever you do in the outside outside world, drama teacher, or if you do you know footy coaching or or whatever it might be. There's an opportunity for you to be that that person. Yeah, Uh, and I think that's a powerful thing to have.
0: Oh, 100%. So did we get through all four? Is that all four of them?
1: Those are my four tips. Carve out the time and space. Lead with honesty, maybe even a bit of vulnerability. Uh, Listen with a genuine sense of curiosity. And, you know, encourage action follow-up. You're not there to solve all the problems and to have all the answers. You're there to sort of encourage young people to find any people, to find the information, to find the support that they need. As a side bonus tip, going through the side door, ask, ask young people, oh, so how how are people in your year group going with alcohol
0: yeah. is a much better
1: question than are you going to get drunk at this party? Like <laughs> who, who do you reckon will be drinking there? Who, who do you reckon is is going to have a few drinks? And who do you reckon is at risk of having too many drinks and making some bad choices? And how can you have that person's back? Is it, is a better conversation than, you know, who, who's got boyfriends and girlfriends at school is, is much a better, better conversation starter than do, who do you like? you know yeah. you can work up to that question um but yeah sometimes going through the side door by asking about how things are in general at the school yeah is a, is a really good really good place to start
0: that's actually called one step removed so oh, nice. um yeah so it's got a coin term but um so i when when it comes to littleies like little kids i say oh you know use how how could kids or how could other kids or how could your schoolmates handle this situation when you're talking about you know some a scenario that you want to give them advice on you know tricky people tricky behaviors etc um you know how how can kids handle like if someone comes up to some kids in the park how could they you know what would you do what could kids do or um you know yeah. so it's not about the child themselves like you said the side door it's about yeah kids in general, so it's less scary, it's less confronting, Uh, they're more likely to, you know, talk about their friends than they are about themselves. I used to do all of that stuff when my daughter was younger and I was, like, trying to find out who was sending um, nudes and, um, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. Very well done, Mikey.
1: Um, The Uh side door
0: is, I like that, the side door.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's an easier way in.
0: It is an easier way in. in. And, you know, like, um, the thing is, is that, I think, I don't know about your parents, Mikey, but my parents didn't have it. Once I hit a certain age, that was it. I was on my own. And um, and a right. lot of us grew up that way. A lot of us um grew up that way. So this is a whole new way of parenting, changing the script and everything like that. So by having these tools, it will give us that little bit of framework guidelines to be able to have those good conversations.
1: Yep. My my eldest is 21 and... um. I just went out for brekkie with her this morning, actually had an amazing chat with her. She is not a talker. Like people who know me know that (laughs) I like having a yarn. She has never been one to have proper, honest, open conversations about anything. I took her out for brekkie this morning and she just said, oh, this is what I'm thinking. This is where I'm going. This is what me and my boyfriend are doing. And um, I I feel like years and years and years of hard work it's is finally, finally paying off that she's really open for a, for a proper chat. You have got to put in the yards, um, and if if you do that, I think you know in that stage now as as parenting sort of extends, you know, I think people young people are staying at home for longer, and you've just got more you got more time to to support them to to help them to grow. Oh yeah.
0: I totally I was out the door at 15 I mean not you know like a lot of us didn't we were gone at at, as soon as school finished so yeah our kids are going to be around a lot longer because of the situations we're in um is there anything else you wanted to add to that I mean Mikey you you like you were explaining you run um some you've got the social enterprise called the good blokes co um and you and you run men's circles you run um you know young young people leadership you you talk about you know you boys to men sort of um that what, what's the word you use for that sorry I can't remember
1: what rights of passage camps for for yeah. young men yeah, yeah so I, I'm not, I love I'm not doing much of that I'm not doing much of that anymore primarily what I do is um better conversations with young people helping teachers to have these kind of conversations uh, and better conversations at work uh, so yeah, I still have Good Blokes Co, which is my my social enterprise, which is basically empowering men to lead those kind of pro, uh, those kind of processes. So empowering men to to run men's groups, to to run father son camps, to run rites of passage camp, whether they're teachers or coaches or or facilitators or um, you know people in those kind of spaces. So I still do a bit of that through Good Blokes Co. I'm working with individual um, men who want to lead and drive better conversations around healthy masculinity. Um, but primarily, what I do now is work with um, school teachers. I have a program called Better Conversations with Young People, which teaches them how to make these kind of conversations really engaging. Like I said, young people are desperate for these conversations, mm-hmm. and instead of teachers having to become experts in more and more content, let's actually shift the conversation towards them, and let's let's create spaces where young people can start to explore what safety looks like, and what resilience looks like, and what. And what respects look like in my in my behavior and what empathy feels like in my body. So giving teachers the skills to facilitate better conversations around well-being rather than feeling like they have to be the experts and provide more information.
0: Oh, that so would that take, take so much pressure thing. off. That would take so much pressure yeah. off teachers in that space yeah. because, like you said, and you know, I don't think that teachers need more curriculum. And I don't think no. schools, you know, there's so much there's too much in it now. So one of the things that we have lost and uh, my daughter even makes this comment and I'm sure you've heard it before is that um, kids are losing the art of conversation because they are so used to being on their device and talking through a yep. device that when you get her when you get them in a room they're too scared to talk to each other or they won't even go somewhere where they have to talk to people um yeah. you know she's got a job and she, one of the things that she's grateful for is I've always pushed her out into The workforce quickly like she she wanted to get a job because she wanted money but um you know and so we need to have these conversations in a school setting
1: yeah kids young people now need to develop the kind of i call them human skills (laughs) yeah we'll just make them more and more and more employable like yes the stem stuff is is crucial but if you've got two kids applying for a job and they've both got a 99 in their ATAR and high distinctions all the way through uni are you going to hire the one with you know with empathy and leadership skills and and teamwork and social skills and who's a good listener and a good speaker i think it's i think it's a no brainer it's it's the human skills that will make our kids more employable more promotable and just to have a better happier healthier life
0: and i mean it's a it's a community effort right it's not just schools it's not just parents it has to be all of us doing it together because totally, um it's it, we we like to and you know my daughter's homeschooled at the moment, but she'll go back to school next year. But, you know, we, we like to say, oh, you know, the schools don't do this. And then we, they, we hear, oh, the parents aren't doing this. No, yeah. it's all of us together. We're all in this together. Um,
1: yeah. So let's and do it again, together. Communities are a, the school community is a great place to start. I think programs that I've seen that have brought parents into the school community to start having more of these conversations around adulthood and growing up, the schools love it because it's giving the parents, it's kind of handing responsibility back and the parents love it because they're getting more of an insight, more of a chance to see what the what their cohort is looking like and to give them a chance to connect with their kids better. So that's something I'm really passionate about as well, yeah. as like parent child community events in, in schools as well. So well, we're empowering
0: good, people to we're yeah. empowering them or yeah, yeah. I do, do re-empowering. <laughs> I do a
1: bit of work with schools in in designing those kind of processes as well to like you said. Hand, hand the power back to parents because I think parents are struggling. I think young people are struggling. I think parents are struggling. I think schools are just carrying the, the burden. I think one of the things they can do is is invite parents back in and, yeah, work out how we can share the load a bit better. Mm. Time for a bit more collaboration, I reckon.
0: Oh, 100%, 100%. So, Mikey, one of the questions I ask all, and I didn't give you the point forewarning. I usually forewarn all my guests. One wow. of the Give one me. of the questions I ask, um, all of my podcast guests is so when I was writing my book, I kept thinking if parents knew what I knew, they would do things differently. So if parents knew something that you knew, what do you, what would you want them to know? What would you what would they do differently?
1: Yeah, I I think if parents knew that your young people are itching to talk to you, you you might um you might approach important and scary and difficult conversations differently. I would love all parents out there to know that your your young people are actually desperate to talk. We just have to do the, like I said, do the emotional labor to make those conversations e- easier. We need to step through our own awkwardness and 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 difficulty um, to create space to for them to talk. And you know, got to show up consistently over over time. But once we crack that seal open. We we're fine. We've, we've given them a, a hell of a gift.
0: I've got one question for you, and I love what you just said, and I love everything about you, Mikey. You know I love you, um. But I've got a question. I've so my my teenager. Um. Yeah. So I I joke about this on memes. I've got lots of memes about this, but so it'll be three o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, do you want you know what's going on? Do you want to talk? No. Five o'clock? No. Seven o'clock? No. Eleven o'clock at night? Hey, um, I need to tell you all about my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like,
0: oh my god, I'm trying to go to sleep right now, and um, yeah. you know, what is it about teens doing that to you? Like, honestly, I'm I'm not expecting answers. I'm just like joking about this because if anyone else listening so has real. a t- and
1: it's so common, <laughs> and so many of your parents listening out there will be having the exact same experience. They're like, like fuck I've for had that's my hot sakes. Milo. I've got my pajamas on. <laughs> I've read my book, I'm turning the lights out and they come in like, Oh, I I just wanted to chat with you about this. And look, I think as a parent, you just got to switch the lights back on and, and wake up and just be really (laughs) present. I think you've got to lean into it, but you know, I think, I think that is a classic indication that kids want to talk when the time and space is right. Mm. And the time and space for a lot of kids is after they've had a long period of time to debrief and to, to clear their head and to play some Candy Crush, <laughs> and to, you know, <laughs> to clear out the stresses of the day. Yeah. That to me is a kid who's finally regulated their nervous system and gotten to a place where they feel safe to talk. Yeah, and so maybe, maybe creating the time and space. For you is just waiting till you're ready for bed. <laughs> Well, no, I
0: actually think I think you're onto something there because um, so one of the things that I always say in my um, child abuse prevention and education talks and like awareness talks is that kids will not talk about anything that's worrying them. So they will not disclose abuse. They will not disclose issues. Yeah. They will not talk to anyone until they feel safe. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's not until they're in their bed and they're like it's starting to their nervous systems winding down that that's when it comes forward and maybe they can't stop thinking about it. So they need to go and share it. And, you know, shared problems are are easier burdens, you know, like when you share it with someone else, it's easier. So, you know, you're right. It's probably got a lot to do with that.
1: Yeah. That's when you're, when your child feels safest enough, then then that's the, that's the time. The other thing I'd add to it is safety and engagement. Mm -hmm. They've got, they've got to feel safe to talk, but they've also got to feel like it's kind of relevant for them. So if I want to have an important conversation with my kid about university choices and they're in year nine and they don't want to talk yeah. about university choices, then that's hard. I've got to make it engaging and relevant for them, not just safe, but also engaging and relevant. And if I want to have a you know a, a conversation about preventing child abuse, they might not feel like that's relevant for them. I've got to do the work to make it feel relevant for them. So there's the safety piece and there's also the engagement piece as well. How can we make it? Um, you know, how can we put it into their language and make sure it feels like a a conversation that feels important for them too?
0: I feel like we could have a whole other conversation about this because I you just talking about that brought so many like memories (laughs) about that engagement and safety. Like my daughter and I have had lots of great conversations. And one of the, like you said, one of the great places I'm finishing up is in the car, I always we always had you had great when it's just the two of us great conversations in the car great conversations and I used to bring up really important topics when we were watching a show and it you know say say for instance sex education the show on Netflix you know amazing show every parent I sat down and watched it with my 12 year old people might think that judge me for that but. Do you know what? We had conversations around, you know, um, masturbation, all of the yeah. sex topics, all of the consent, you know, um, all of the things. And so when we were having those conversations, quite often we would pause Sitting next to each other, or we would—I'd say, oh, if you were in that situation, or if your friends were in that situation, what do you think you would do, or we, yeah. how would you help them out of that situation? Because again, like I said, you know, with policing, we used to be do do scenario training all the time, and we would practice things that never happened, yeah. but we were practicing for it. It's no different. You're preparing your child for adulthood, so you need to have those conversations to prepare them. For the world they're going to live in and so yeah. by sitting that with them and something that's on tv it's great radio it's great you can say hey what do you think you could do or would have done in that situation it's a scenario yeah, so you, it's not real
1: yeah you're using something that they're already engaged in and you know the other thing around you know making these conversations engaging is going back to that curiosity piece if you're genuinely asking them what they're interested in what they want to talk about well that's a way to get get engaging conversations like Asking them what, what they think are the um the important things that we should be talking about and going with like, like I can remember when when my daughter was in early high school going into her room and watching makeup tutorials. And like I could think of roughly 10 million things I'd rather be doing than watching makeup tutorials. Like I'd rather be stabbing myself in the face with a fork, but um <laughs> that was what was engaging and relevant for her and that led into conversations yeah. around you know body image and and all sorts of other stuff. so I, know, I
0: had the same thing where I sat and played probably three hours of Roblox yeah yeah <laughs> and, and I, I, I
1: often say you've got to walk in their world before you ask them to to walk in yours. you' got to go where they want to go before you start to hit them up with some of the big topics
0: yeah. And and, it, and it's tried and true, right? We know that these things work, hence why we're telling parents to, you know, try them, try it. You don't know if you don't try. And and don't be scared to fail at it either because, um, and show that you're failing. <laughs> we don't have to be perfect. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. totally. Such
0: a good conversation, Mikey D. So how can For people sure. find you? How can people find um, you if they want to find
1: you? Yeah, the best place to find me is by my, my website's It's mikedyson.com.au. Uh, I'm on the LinkedIn. I love having chats with people on, on LinkedIn. If there's men out there who are interested in leadership, Good Blokes Co. is my my social enterprise. There's a website, goodblokes.co or the or the Instagram on there. But um yeah, if you've got any questions around this stuff, I'm always up for a chat. So uh, hit me up.
0: Yeah, and Dyson felt like the vacuum cleaner, guys. And little little side story. Not like the boxer. <laughs> No, not like Tyson. Dyson is in yeah. the vacuum cleaner. A little side story for everyone listening. When I was on the Cape to Cape walk, and by the way, just so you know, I lost five toenails work, walking 135 kilometres in five days for charity. But anyways, um, Mikey D was there at the front of the pack leading the way because he was leading the, the walk. And uh, I think you told us a big old story about how you are related to my <laughs> Mr. Dyson or um that you know have never got royalties he's not related to the Dyson family of the Dyson vacuum cleaners but yeah it was quite funny we i believed you for a, a little while i am blonde so no. I, I blame Don't ever ask you
1: that the same spelling.
0: <laughs> All right well thanks Mikey and um for anyone i really highly recommend that you follow Mike wherever you can and reach out to him because he he is an, a leader in this space and and
1: Whenever, you, whenever
0: I'm in your uh, world, Mikey, you make me feel so much better. So thank you so much for being you.
1: Thanks, Christy. Thanks for chatting. This was really, really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it, was.
0: it Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Education empowers children and it empowers parents. And education prevents abuse. That is why I'm here and that is why you are here. So thank you. If you want any further information or support, follow me on social media, either under Christy McVee or Cape AU social media accounts. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can also purchase a signed copy of my book, Operation Kids Safe, via the website at www.cape-au.com. Also on my website is a free ebook titled 10 Tips to Keep Your Kids Safe from Abuse and self-paced courses for parents to help you in your journey of child abuse prevention. Don't forget to join our free Facebook group called Operation KidSafe Parenting Group. Please see the show notes for any extra information, links and help should you be looking for extra support. Thank you once again for giving a shit about preventing child sexual abuse. See you next time.